You know, I'm really looking forward where this live stream team uh, can expand a little bit. In fact, we've got clearance that we will be able to. Uh, we're in the midst of applying for it, and uh, in two weeks' time, you will not only have to see my face, but uh, until now, I still have to thank Kelly behind the camera. You can't see him, but he makes this happen every week. Um, but from, I think in about two weeks' time, we'll probably be inviting some of you to help out in the live stream. We're going to be very prudent and careful. We don't want all of you to expose yourself unnecessarily. So for those who are in the vulnerable group, the uncles, aunties, I would say, please wait, you know. I ask you to stay home uh, just for a bit more. I'm going to get the younger ones to take the risk for you, uh, providing that they don't expose you to these viruses. So pray as we reorganize ourselves and we continue week by week as the new rules and new, new guidelines come out while evolving this worship to, to just really help all of us uh, come into the presence of God in a more real way. You know, uh, I'd like to... Welcome a few people. I noticed your name uh, online. Uh, Jason, how are you? How is it? Uh, your time over there is 11 p.m. I heard you join our Sabbath school this morning. Welcome, bro. Good to see you. Hope you are safe and sound in the United States. Um, and hope you and your wife are all being blessed uh, by, by today's worship uh, and the Sabbath. We're so glad we can spend Sabbath again together. See, this is the amazing part about live stream. We get our brothers and sisters who are overseas and they can just tune in and join us. Esther Kim, how are you? Yeah, you two are near each other, Jason and Esther. Uh, not very near, near in terms of the United States, but I, thank you for joining us this morning. And Benjamin, Pastor Benjamin Kipsonang, you're joining us from Andrews, are you? Welcome, good to see you. Uh, and I, I don't know whether there's anybody else I missed, but... We're so glad our brothers and sisters uh, from overseas can join us this morning and, and, and that we can worship together. You know, we are reaching the, the part in, uh, in, in where Monday is the last day of this circuit breaker. You know, we're going to ease the, re- government's going to re- ease the restriction. We're going to go back to, to, to life a little bit. You know, we're going back to normal. But this normal that we're going to experience in this coming week is not going to be the normal we knew back in February or March. It's going to be different. It's going to be where a lot of things are done and we got used to it because of the, the, these two months of training, wearing masks, safe distancing, you know, telecommuting, eating with friends but having distance between each other. Uh, all this is going to be a new norm. And we're going to get used and adjust ourselves to it. But you know what's the amazing thing about human beings is that we adjust to change well. Of course, not everybody adjusts to change quickly uh, or as well as others. Um, but if you really look back upon yourself, you've experienced so many changes in your life and you've managed to adjust to it. And you've done really well. In fact, the fact that you're joining me on our live stream this morning through that whole adjustment curve means you've adjusted. I've adjusted preaching to chairs, but preaching to you in watching me from this live stream. You know, those, these things are going to keep on changing. In fact, there's rumors and we hope that it's going to happen by the second week of June. We're going to go into phase two. We're going to have a little easing of restriction. All these are things that's happening. 
But in the midst of all this normal, these changes that's happening, you know, that there's things that I believe I'm going to miss. There's things that I really appreciate. In fact, yesterday was a day of blessing. You know, there's various people from various part of my life just decided to, to, to bless my family and just send me food and send me drinks. And this is, you know, I'm not unique to this. In fact, you know, most of you maybe can guess who this, this auntie is. I got provided with food enough for yesterday's lunch, dinner, later Sabbath lunch, and I believe there's probably going to be leftover for tonight's dinner. Man, that's like blessing that, that people are just like sharing. And, and you know, if I, I look at my Instagram, I know I am not alone because I, I'm so happy to see people connecting. They're like, you know, sending, I mean, that's the easiest thing to do. They're sending food to one another. They're sending flowers for those who know how to get the flowers. And they're sending things and writing notes and playing games and just, just connecting more than ever before. You know, we've never done this before. We've never, we never used to do this. We're like, we, we kind of like, we're just, hey, let's meet up for dinner and that's it. But we don't go beyond that. We don't take a step further and say, how can I bless others during the week? And, but this is happening right now because of Circuit Breaker, because of COVID-19, and I love it. I love it. It is like the church is being the church. And in fact, those who are not in the church are also displaying church like attributes, I'm not saying that we own it, I'm saying church as God intended it to be. That people who naturally, because of a crisis, because of this external situation, they are like, I have to do more for my brothers and sisters, my friends, my neighbors. They are learning to love their neighbors even if they don't realize it. And that's awesome. And that's awesome. But and then in the midst of all this, there's also that, that, that idea that people are actually looking forward to something better. They are looking forward to a day when all these things will end. But I hope that there are things that will not give up because those things are good. Even as we adjust back to work, as we go back into our office and maybe not telecommute as much. Of course, telecommuting is also a new thing that's become a part of our life that a lot of us have learned to appreciate. And all these things are good. Let's, let's not, as we go back to normal, reset our lives and our attitude, our mentality back to before. Because there are good things that we need to keep. Some of you have, have stepped out of your comfort zone. If you listen to my devotion on Thursday uh, on, on our Facebook page, you know, I've talked about this, that some of us are stepping out and trying things we never make time for, we never dare to, or we never thought we could. You know, but some of us have become awesome chefs. And I'm going to give a shout out to Jenna and Jia, how you guys are like experts, man, and I love your videos. And also like my wife, my wife has always wanted to bake and she's trying to bake and she's gotten really good. And uh, the comment we get nowadays is like, don't fatten the calf up. Calf, that is James. <laughs> but just people are just trying new things. I have friends who are starting to learn the piano because they, they always wanted to, they've never been able to, and they're doing it. There are people who are exercising. Imagine, it's supposed to go the opposite way, but there are people actually exercising more because that's the only thing we're kind of allowed to do outside of the house. So I have friends who go biking, like riding the bike. 
at midnight around the island, and then they're just like, that's that time to take a break and take a breather, and they've never ex- really exercised before. And there are people who took up running again because they have to stop because of busyness of work and, and, and just life. Those are good things. As we move back to normal, don't lose those things. Those are good. I'm going to share with you a scripture today. Um, that talks about this very concept. You know, this dining table in many houses in Singapore has never been so filled. There's many families who have not had the opportunity to sit down at a table together to eat together. Although the church lost our ability to gather for potluck physically, but many families are now able to gather together and eat a proper meal together, seated at a table together. And I think that's a blessing that as there as a church is willing to make the sacrifice for. Of course, we hope to have potluck again, but I also appreciate that now daily, most of you, a lot of you can eat with your family at the table. You don't have to commute to work and you can eat, eat at a table with your family and then go back to work in your room and cause so you won't be late to, home too late to miss having food with your, your kids or your wife, or your husband, or your parents, or your grandparents, and that is awesome. I pray as we go back into the new normal, that the dining table will continue to be filled. I hope this time of circuit breaker has made you think about what's important to you. What are your priorities in life, and what are the things that are most valuable, that you will not give those things up because they're precious and make an intentional effort to keep those things in your life. Turn me to the, today's scripture. I have it up there, but I still love you to, to turn your scripture. Turn me to Matthew chapter 26. <clears throat> you know, one of the things that Aztec's been doing is we've been working with the migrant workers. We've been connecting with them through the dorm, through live sessions of uh, counseling, uh, positive thinking. Uh, how to keep, your mental, men, keep yourself mentally healthy. And even yesterday, we had an uh, exercise you can do in your room while you're being, being kept in that isolated uh, dorm. This is also something that, apart from our own family, it's easy to just, like, okay, I'll keep things as good and blessed for my family, but then you neglect and forget the others. I am very sure. I'm very sure once Singaporeans start to go back to the normal, the new normal, starting phase one, phase two, the first group of people that will forget and neglect is them. The needy or the poor, the not so materially blessed people among us will be the first people that we neglect. But I hope at least for ESDAC, <clears throat> at least for our church, we will not forget them. <clears throat> we will not forget those who are in need that they are among us. In fact, there was a lot of new things that I discovered during this time. I discovered that there are more people who are in need than we realize. And they're nearer to us than we realize. In fact, that there are a lot of isolated old people who are living by themselves. (coughs) Excuse me. By themselves and for the longest time. And I thought there was just, the numbers were a lot more than I thought there were. There are a lot more homeless people than I thought there were. In fact, I read the report when I found out how many they have to go and help find lodging nightly. Uh, every night for them is, is amazing. You don't see them, but they're there. And these workers, as we interacted with them, you know, they are the guys who, 
who built the MRT. And I, I, I met some who built the, the Thompson Line, who just outside Spring Leaf Prata. You know, that's like, I know that place. I know the construction. In fact, what I've been doing for the longest time is complain about the construction. It's like, ah, oh, so much inconvenience. I forget the people who work day and night behind them are real people. And I, I have to confess, like, I feel like a hypocrite. Because I bring as that and we go minister to them at Westlight Toguan and, and try to, you know, reach out to them. And yet daily on a basis when I drive past the construction, I complain about it. I see the workers there like, oh man, they're like just blocking the road. But I don't see them as actual human beings. Let us not forget our brothers. Let us not forget those who are in need. And in fact, there's going to be more because of the current financial crisis our economic situation. There are going to be more people in need than before. How will the church act in face of this new normal? This new normal is a real challenge for the church to be the church. If you've turned to Matthew 26, 11 by now, good. If not, I'm going to give you time again. Matthew 26, 11 is a verse in which for the longest time, have, I've misunderstood it, I think, until I really started studying into it. And I think a lot of people misuse this verse, and I'll talk a little bit about this verse today. Matthew 26, verse 11. It's Jesus, you know, he, he was talking to his disciple, and, and, and uh, just before he was crucified, in fact, this is the event, the very words he said here, resulted in Judas making up his mind, like cementing his decision to betray Jesus. This is important stuff. Matthew 26, 11 says, For you always have the poor with you, but you will not always have me. You will always have the poor with you, but you will not always have me. It's describing a situation where Jesus was sitting in a house and in Bethany and, and his feet was anointed with precious precious ointment and, 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 and people are complaining that that's a waste of money, that you are, you are wasting this money and anointing the feet with this precious perfume which is worth years of wages. You could have sold it and give it to the poor, right? And in reply to those complaints, Jesus said this, the poor you will always have with you but you will not always have me. And, and for the longest time, I'm guilty of it too. I, I, I've thought, this verse tells us to not be distracted so much by the social, charitable work that we forget Jesus. And they're like, those things are good. Those things are good. We should do them, but we should not let them distract me from my relationship with Jesus. And that is a false dichotomy that our human brains have created. That was not what Jesus said. That's not what Jesus said in this verse, but we construe it into our worldview, our mindset to see. It's, it's quite, you can, yeah, you can look at it that way, right? Like just say, the poor you have with you, that's why you shouldn't sell this perfume to give it to them. I am only here with you for this short time, so focus on me now. I don't think that's what, who, who my Jesus is. And let us study into this, because it doesn't make sense if that's what Jesus was talking about. Of course, it does have the element of appreciating him, him while he was there with them. But he does say this in, later on in the next verse, in, in Matthew 28, verse 20. 
before his last words, before he, he kind of, Matthew ends the story. He, he says, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Wait, what? The scripture seems to contradict itself here, doesn't it? In 20, 26, he says, you will not always have me. In 28, he says, you will have me always to the end of the age. So what is Jesus talking about? What is Jesus talking about? I think that's where we have to be careful in reading something too quickly and interpreting it too quickly and, and construing and understanding too quickly. You know, do you realize that when Jesus says, the poor you'll have with you always, he's actually quoting the Old Testament? The first thing to check when you're reading the scripture is always to check, first of all, whether it's a quote and then what was Jesus' intention. Sometimes he quotes an Old Testament passage to say you've understood it wrongly. Sometimes he quotes a passage and says, look at the context of why I'm quoting that text. And in this case, Jesus was quoting that passage to say, read that whole chapter and passage there to understand the context of what I'm saying. In fact, one-third, 33% and more of the Scripture, I think 33.7 or 33.5, um, somebody calculated that, of the New Testament is a direct quotation of the Old. So when people tell me Old Testament is useless, I'm like, really? Are you serious? Then you have to remove another one-third of the New Testament. Why would Jesus do that? You know, John says if everything about Jesus was recorded, there wouldn't be enough space to hold all the books written about him or the scrolls written about him. And yet he would like waste the scripture and like take away most of it. Doesn't make sense to me. But let us go to where he specifically talked about, what he quoted. So the quote was in Matthew 26, 11, and he was quoting from, note this, easy to remember, Deuteronomy 16, 11. Sorry, Matthew 26, 11. Quoting from Deuteronomy 16.11. If you don't know what Deuteronomy is, it's the fifth book of the Old Testament, all of the entire Bible. Right? The fifth of the Old Testament is called the Pentateuch. It is the, the part of the scripture where Christians, Jews, and Muslims all share. Important? I think so. If you turn with me to Deuteronomy chapter 16, verse 11, is where Jesus, who knows the scripture well, was quoting from. Deuteronomy 16, 11 says, And you shall rejoice before the Lord, your God, and you and your son and your daughter, your male servant and your female servant. That's the Bible's way of saying everybody. Right? This framing, these verses, was used when he talked about the Ten Commandments, the Sabbath. Uh, the Levite, because the Levite don't have property, he reminds us to take care of the Levite who is within your town, the sojourner, the, the, the visitors, the people who are not from Singapore, the foreign migrant workers, the fatherless, the widow who are among you at the place where your God will make to choose to make his name dwell there. Right, this is where the context of what he's talking about, he's describing <coughs> a group of people 
He's describing them. He says, look at them. Look at who they are and remember their needs. And remember their needs. And that's where he goes on. And he, he, he talks about them and their need and the need to do justice for them and to not forget them from among you. And then he goes on in this passage to go on and he keeps talking about their need, about who they are. And, and he goes on to say about taking care of them. In fact, Jesus was very clear, very clear, that you, will, you shall remember them. And then that's when he got into the, the sabbatical year of rest. And in the chapter before, after describing this group of people who I was talking for, in 15 verse 11, actually I put the wrong quote there, it's chapter 15 verse 11, and when he talks about the, the year of Jubilee, he says, for there will never cease, the exact quote that Jesus quotes, for there will never cease to be poor in the land. That's what you're saying. The poor you will always have with you. In 1511, it says, for there will never cease to be poor in the land. And then that's what he says. Jesus, I'm with you. The poor you always have with you. But look at what Jesus in, is quoting this passage and what the passage is talking about. There will never cease to be poor in the land, so neglect them. You can't save them. There's nothing you can do about it. No. Therefore, I command you, and then it goes in a quotation, which is, it means God spoke word for word for Moses to write down, because that's in the special quote. Therefore, I command you, this is, if any part is actual God's word, like literally, this is it. You shall open wide your hand to your brother, to the needy, and to the poor in your land. Do you hear it? Jesus says, quotes from the passage that says, the needy you will have with you always. Therefore, I command you, don't stop ministering to them. And so how do we understand the part when he talks about, you don't always have me with you? He's actually saying, while he was on earth in the flesh, while Jesus was the 100% man on earth, he was doing that work for us. He was healing the sick. He was ministering to the poor, feeding the hungry. He was doing what we, we are supposed to do for ourselves. Of course, at that point, the, the Christians were not Christians yet. They were still Jews and and they were called to do that from Deuteronomy, and they have not done that. So Jesus came and did it in their place. And now out of the Jews, he says, now followers of my followers, don't do that again. Don't repeat the mistakes of the Jews. In the scripture, note the passage of what I have commanded with my own words. When I leave, and my presence with you is not a physical presence anymore, when I can't do it on your behalf? Church, my people, my children, do it. You keep on doing that work. It is not by accident that in Matthew 24, when he described the end times, before he comes again, that the things that he'll be looking at is whether the church is reaching out and taking care of our neighbors, of the poor, 
the widows, the fatherless, the strangers, the visitors, foreigners in our land. So I'm not pushing for a social gospel where social work is all we have to do. But if we are truly in a relationship with God, if we truly love God with all our hearts, all our mind, all our soul, all our strength, the display of that love is a natural outpouring of action of serving those who are in need. And it's so easy, church, that when we go back to normal, when, when, we, when we go back into our life, in our busyness of going to work, that we will forget them. You know who else are the poor and the fatherless and the widow? It's your own family. It's so many of us, fathers especially, <clears throat> who get so caught up in our work. I'm speaking to the father as a father myself. That we get so caught up in our work and we dedicate so much of our life to it, thinking that that's love. Yes, it's love. Thinking that that's providing and, and loving my family. Yes, it is, but there is more. And I hope this circuit breaker helped you realize that. That your wife has literally become a widow to your work. That your child has become fatherless because of your work. <clears throat> So fathers, as we go back into the new normal, let's not forget that our work of caring, loving our family doesn't stop. It has to continue. And I hope that you've learned to how to adjust your time and dedicate time to the table to come together as a family to remember what is important to you. You know, we all look forward to the coming of Jesus. In fact, the, the, the signs that is around us show us the fulfilling of prophecy. I don't think this is the end, but this is definitely the beginning of it. People are saying, but this, people always say that World War I was horrible, World War II was horrible. Do you know that more people died in these three months than the world wars? It's not the same. It's worse. And I cannot end today's sharing without mentioning what I've been reading in the news that's really disturbing me. All, all, of course, I'm very separated. Some of you are not. Some of you are right there. You look at the situation in Minneapolis. It's crazy. You cannot tell me it's the same. You cannot tell me it's not getting worse. The fact that we are more educated and more developed should prevent stuff like that from happening. I'm not judging the riots. Don't get me wrong. I'm saying why it has to happen and why things like that are happening around the world. In Hong Kong, not very far, four hours flight, three and a half actually. The world is getting messed up more and more. People dying from this virus around the world. Still, it's not over yet. You cannot tell me the world is not getting worse. You cannot tell me the signs are not fulfilling. You cannot tell me that the, the birth is not coming. 
God describes the end of time to be like a pregnancy where the pains of, of birth is just more and more frequent. The contraction is more and more frequent. It is definitely more frequent. How is it at the same time there's more and more uh, hurricanes and typhoons and tornadoes and earthquake at the same time? Bushfire is still burning. It's still happening. But it is easy for Christians to bunker down and, and hide and, and place our hope only in that second coming and heaven to come. Yes, there is hope. There is what we're looking forward to and that's where we're going. But God calls the church to create a colony right now where this heaven can be experienced. I'm not saying the church is perfect. I'm not saying that when you gather a bunch of sinners, miraculously, they'll act like saints. We're definitely not that. And we definitely realize we cannot do that by ourselves. But if God's Spirit is willing to come upon a church who is united in their vision for creating a colony where they can, people can experience heaven together with us right here, even virtually and not just physically, they can see glimpse of the hope that we have and they can experience hope and they can be encouraged to hang on. So church, as we go back to the new normal, realize that the ultimate normal was the normal created in Eden. In Genesis chapter 1, that is the normal we should be looking forward to. Not just the normal where we can go shopping again. Not just the normal where we can eat in the hawker center again. Not just the normal where the church can have potluck and physical gathering again. That is temporary. The ultimate normal we should strive for and give a glimpse of should be the normal that God initially created in Genesis 1, where the church are in perfect harmony, the people of God are in perfect harmony with one another and with Him. So as we go back to normal, remember what is normal. What we are going through and what we're going to have next week and the weeks to come is not normal. There is a bigger normal, the real normal that's waiting for you and me. So as we conclude, I want you to ponder upon this few questions. What will you miss from this circuit breaker? What will you miss? Write it down, all right? And what will you keep? What are things that you started doing and things that, that it was a blessing, that was positive, that was good? What will you keep doing? What will you keep as a part of your life, as part of your regime, as part of your, your time in your day? What will you keep? And what will you change? Not what we change from the current context. Of course, there's things you want to do more, but there are things that I'm sure you thought of and like, oh, wow, I wish I could do that. And when this circuit breaker is, I'm going to start doing that. Good things that you're going to start doing, not just, you know, like just hang out with people outside and uh, stop wearing masks. Of course, I, I hope we can stop wearing masks, but, you know, it's not going to be soon. But what are the things that you will change in your family, in your church life, in your work life, in your school life, that you know that's a good thing that I want to do and implement, what will you change and what will you start doing? Write it down. And next, what will you start? So things that change, maybe the way you do, you're going to tweak it, but there are things that you've never done before. It's brand new and it's like awesome. God inspired you with an awesome idea. Do it. Do it. Write it down. Send it to 10 of your friends and says, if I don't do it, kick me. All right, that's my style. No, don't get people kicking you. But like, what will you start? Do it. 
So those questions, ask yourself. Ask yourself those questions. What would you miss? What would you keep? What would you change? What would you start? And do it. And do it. And again, I'd invite Jeff to lead us in our closing song. And here's a little introduction to it, and he's going to lead us through the hymn. I think it's a beautiful hymn that we need to hear at this time especially.